of Tyrannus. This went on for about two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? And then the man who had the evil spirits jumped on them and overpowered them. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honour. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachma. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Well, it's good to be here. If you're here for the first time or you're back here after a while, we want to say on behalf of all of us, not, not just me, on behalf of everyone here, welcome. Great to see you here and great to spend this time like to support and to look to God in his word. And um, we're going to do that now. So let's call out to God that he will stir in our hearts and show us himself. Lord, we do thank you that we can have the Bible which shows us who you are, God, and we pray that you will stir in us. Pray you move your spirit amongst us. Show us the greatness of Jesus afresh, Lord. We pray, Father, that you will break chains in our lives, Lord, as we turn to Jesus and as we follow him. We pray these things in his name. Amen. We can see when people are serious or not. You can see whether like, they're all in or they're just a bit off on the edge. Like we're coming up to Christmas. You've got the big parties getting together. <clears throat> and you've got this gathering at your house. And there's all these people coming over, and there's so much work to be done, right? And you can see who's serious and who's in and who's not. Like, there's, there's some people that they're out there, they're chopping stuff, like they're getting things ready, like going all out. There's someone out in the backyard, they're sweeping leaves and stuff. And there's someone else, they're in the corner on their phone. And they're not quite, you know, you know that relative, no, no, you, know, you know that person. It's like, and they're just sitting there, just relaxing. And you can see who's serious. You can see by the, the way they jump into something, or the way they hold back and keep people at a distance. We see that in relationships as well, don't we? If people are all in or if they're holding back a bit, we can see when people are serious. Now, we're in church here and like we've got these songs about Jesus who like just transforms people's lives. And Jesus is impressive. And like we want to know Jesus. We want to get closer to him and he like makes such a big impact on us. And we want to be serious following him, don't we? Don't we we want to be serious like as we follow after this Jesus. So what does it look like to be serious following Jesus? 
What does it look like to have a life where you're just pursuing after him and you're chasing Jesus? What does that serious life look like? With this passage, we're going to have like one example of a way that we can see this serious life that is lived for Jesus. Well, the section of the Bible starts off in Ephesus. And Ephesus is uh, this city and it's famous for this temple, Artemis, out like on the edge of the city. And the People come from all the way around to come to this place. It's beautiful and it's impressive. They call it like one of the wonders of, the, of that era. And like people just come and see this place. And at this place, so they took part in pagan worship and they were involved in sorcery and magic and sacrifice. And this, this is their life. And so they're this famous place. And so the people had power who were seen to be you know, strong and could make things happen. They were upheld and looked, looked to and followed. And this town's famous for the temple and the sorcery in it. Now, we live in Dapto. We're famous for the Dapto dogs, which is awesome. No, no. <laughs> We're famous for Dapto. This place is famous as a place of sorcery and this temple of Artemis. And so Paul comes into this place, into this situation, and he comes in, he meets this group of people, and he asks them this interesting question, verse 2. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no. We've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Paul asked them, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Now John was a prophet before Jesus, and he was one who called people, you know, repent, turn back to God, and he was meant to prepare people for the coming of Jesus. And Paul picks up on this in verse 4. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the, the one coming after him. So this is a message. When they, they're saying, We've, we follow John's baptism, Paul's saying, no, you, you follow the one coming after, you follow Jesus. See, somehow these, this crew, they missed the boat. They believed in God. They believed in God, <clears throat> but they were stuck there. And Paul calls them, you know, believe in Jesus, believe in him. And they do believe. And then after that, they're baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they receive these two amazing gifts. Like, check out what these are. They spoke in tongues, as in other languages, and the second gift they received was prophecy. So they're speaking out God's word, applying it to people's lives. So in this city of sorcery and magic, it describes these outward displays of God's power in these new believers' lives. And those 12 people, they, they were in transition, you know, they're like moving, moving along, sort of behind the pack in a way, moving along. It's like the Pentecost caught up with them and they were filled with the Spirit and they, received, they believed and were filled with the Spirit of God. And after this, verse 8, on his adventures in Ephesus, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. Now, kingdom of God... It's talking about the Jesus, a promised king that they're waiting for. He's arrived. He's a rescuer. And he's declaring about this. And it, I dig how he spoke. It says he was bold and he argued persuasively. You know, he's not shy and apologetic about this. Paul's laying out the message. He's, like he's been compelling, convincing in the way that he talks about this amazing Jesus. But not everyone believed. Not everyone was interested Maybe it's like the same on your street too. Not everyone's interested. Verse 9, some refuse to believe and publicly malign the way. So Paul leaves there, goes to the lecture hall of Tyrannus, 
and it says he discussed daily for two years, and now verse 10, all the people in the region, so Jewish people, non-Jewish people, all hearing about Jesus and the word of God. And so this is like a bit of what Paul is doing there as he's proclaiming Jesus. But at the same time, he's doing miracles. Verse 11, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Now, we've got to be honest, that sounds strange, doesn't it? Sounds right, am I the only one? <laughs> it, does, it sounds strange. What is going on here? Why is this happening? It, it, it's the only part in Acts where something like this goes on when he's in Ephesus. So why is this happening there? Well, remember that the people of Ephesus, they focus on magic and sorcery. And the people are looking for power. They're looking for like great encounters in the spiritual realm, right? And these healings show that God is on the move and he's powerful and he does things. And this sets up Paul as a leader sent by God. It sets him up his position. This is one to be listened to. This is one that you can go to and seek this news of Jesus. And so for us all these years later, as we look at Jesus, like the teaching he did, the miracles done by him, we know like he's someone God sent for us to listen to, who wrote, you know, so many letters in the New Testament, and we want to listen to this Jesus and get to know him. We served in Indonesia for a bunch of years, and when we were serving there, there was a, one of the students at the college, and he told a story about his grandfather, and his grandfather in the area was the most powerful witch doctor of that whole region. So people would come and they'd paid money to him like, to do things and cast curses on people and you know, give them wealth and riches and everything. And so they'd, they'd come to this guy and seen his power, seeing that he had encounters with other people and that, that people feared him, that they feared this guy who had such power. And this witch doctor, one time, he saw this missionary. And he sees the missionary and he's like, he did, and he cursed the missionary. Put a curse on him that he'd get sick. And other people would get sick after this curse, but he, he cursed him. But nothing happened. And then a while later, he saw this missionary again and put another curse on him. And he, he was just so confused what was going on. And so this witch doctor went up to the missionary and said, hey, I can see that the spirit in you is stronger than the spirit in me. Can you tell me about him? Can you tell me about that spirit in you that's stronger? And at this point, like this witch doctor sees there's a greater power out there. And the missionary is like, yeah, I'll tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about the power of Jesus who changes people's lives, who transforms people and turns their life around. And he proclaimed Jesus and just showed that the Holy Spirit is mighty and does wonderful and beautiful things. And that spirit is in Paul. And so the miracles that he does and the miracles that people hear about and the way people receive the Spirit, you know, and the way they describe the miraculous miracles, the extraordinary ones, amazing things were taking place. And it shows the power of Jesus is in Paul and with Paul as he proclaims this news of the kingdom and does these miracles. Now what Paul was doing was so impressive that people wanted to copy it if you want to go, oh, I'll have a go at that. I want, I, want to, I want to give this a try. Verse 13 says, Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke Jesus' name over those who were demon-possessed. It says they were Jews, so they believe in God, but they're not Christians. They haven't trusted in Jesus. 
and that they borrowed this little trick, you know, they'd heard about, you know, in Jesus' name and things are going to happen. They would say, verse 13, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. And in one time, the evil spirit answered, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man who had evil had the evil spirit, jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. They were humiliated. They call it, they're trying this trick. They've seen, they use the right words. They've got the right phrase, but it didn't work. It didn't work because they didn't have relationship with Jesus. They didn't have the spirit of God inside of them. So they had no authority or power over these evil spirits. And this is the comparison, isn't it? Like these people using the phrases, whereas Paul speaks in the name of Jesus. And things happen. And they do see Jesus' power around them. Now in a city captured by the spiritual realm and knowing Jesus gave Paul, this power made a big impact. It made a big impact. Verse 17, it said, When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus... They were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. So they were in fear and awe of Jesus, who reigns over evil spirits, who reigns over sickness, reigns over the whole spiritual dimension. You know? And it was a big jolt to them. It's a big jolt to say, Jesus is the one who's boss over all. Jesus won boss over all. And so people believed, and they, they knew that they needed to respond to Jesus. Verse 18 talks about how people responded. Many of those who believe now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly while they showed their series. They confessed how they followed other powers. You know, the witch doctors, these ones who practice sorcery, they came forward and they, they marked their new lives and they burned their scrolls. See, they got rid of, you know, the old sources of security and power. They, they threw them out. They burned them and they were ruthless. They cut off the influence of their old ways. They just cut it off. And this wasn't on the quiet either. They did it in public in front of others, turning from sorcery, turning to Jesus, and they were ruthless. The other month, a lady in the 30s came to church and she shared her bit of a journey with Jesus. She only became a Christian recently, a few weeks before. She talked how she followed spiritualism and she became a Christian. She talked about like, the, how she responded afterwards. You know what she did? You know what she did with all the books and all the talks and all the rocks and all the bits and pieces of her life before? She got them together. She had a bonfire. This is not like 2,000 years ago. We're talking this year. Someone trusts in Jesus, commits to him, and just burns all the things that tie her to that power and should break those changes. God works in her life and brings her to himself. What an example. What an example of ruthless removal of the things that drag her down and pull her away from Jesus. Now, for everyone who trusts Jesus, we have this call ourselves to cut off 
to cut off what dishonors him. And it's different for everyone. But we're all called to repent and turn from following those things to turn and to follow Jesus. I know people have been into, you know, Reiki, tarot cards, reading the stars, contacting the dead. They trust in Jesus, and Jesus like turns their life around. They, they get rid of those. They get rid of the Ouija boards and the amulets, and they begin this new life living for Jesus. And we're talking about things that are just like, so wrong in Jesus' eyes. For other people, before their life centered around getting drunk, centered around drugs, ice, painkillers, or porn, or ga- gambling. And they're like, I'm living for Jesus now. Those things are not compatible with a life. Focus in on Jesus. And they throw out the drugs and they stop going to certain places and they, they just cut them off and they're ruthless. This leaves lives transformed by Jesus. For someone else, it's sexual sins. Sex out of marriage. Affairs. Sexting out of marriage. This is big these days, isn't it? Digital sexual relationships. And we see this too. We see Jesus come into someone's life and they, they begin to live him as Lord and then they just cut those things off. They stop. They end relationships. They delete the apps and they cut off those sins. Now, when you became a Christian, what is the sin that you cut off? Can you remember back when you first trusted in Jesus? What are the things that you cut out of your life? Or now, is there a sin that you should, you know, burn at the feet of Jesus? These people in Ephesus, they're confronting because they see their error and they act decisively and they get rid of it. And so in your life now, is there something that you should get rid of? Is there something you should cut off and get rid of? The other day I went into the shops and trying to eat healthier food and stuff and so I'm going in there and the, my aim was to buy an avocado and some meat for a sandwich. So I go in there and I get my avocado and my meat but somehow I came out with a block of chocolate, a couple of bag of chips. <laughs> you, know, you know how it is. Like I, went, I went in there, I went in there like with good motivations and good plans. I came out with junk. You know, this can happen for us. We go in somewhere to shine for Jesus, but then we come out with junk. We come out with junk that Jesus is not pleased of. So we go into some place like work, uni, with our neighbours, and we come out with dishonest practices. They fudge this and they fudge that, you know, stealing, lying, and we go into that environment, but then we just come out with trash. We're going to work... And just over time, we become accepting of bullying. And the bullying and pressuring other people and manipulating them and tearing down, it just becomes part of our life. And then we take it into our relationships with our family and our friends. We go in to shine but come out with trash. And those things are junk. They're not the way of Jesus. They're not not the things going to honour Jesus and please him. They need to be cut out of our lives. And, you know, so for each person, it's different. Each person is susceptible to different sins. And the call to us all is put that down and move forward 
to Jesus. You know, Acts 17, repent, redirect, turn from that and turn to Jesus. But people can't move forward until they put those things down. We can't move forward when we keep like running back to these other things. We can't move forward if our heart's back there and we're those things distract us and those things grieve the spirit that is in us. We can't move forward until we cut those things off. If someone hears that you're following Jesus and your walk's not what you would hope it would be at this time, maybe that's because you keep going back. You keep going back to these things and Jesus calls us, be ruthless, cut it off. It's going to be costly. 50,000 drachmas worth of scrolls, so much money worth burnt in the fire by these Ephesian new believers. Now for you, if you're cutting things off, it could be expensive. It could be costly for you, but you know Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth it. He's so wonderful. He's so awesome. This Jesus, you know, because in Jesus, there is freedom in him. There is peace in this Jesus, hope, and there is strength in him, you know. And so those fleeting pleasures, they do not compare to the hope and peace in Jesus. So leave those things behind. Put them aside. Develop your relationship with Jesus. Adore him. Walk in step with him. Walk in step with the Spirit of God. So as you look at your life and you survey it this week and you look back over this passage in your growth group, like recognize what those things are, own it and throw it off and replace it with Jesus. So we can't just say stop doing that, stop doing that thing. It's not going to work. We need to replace it. Replace it with Jesus. Replace it with love for him and focus on him and serving him and knowing him and walking with him. So we replace those things with Jesus as we walk with him. And I see people here, you're in the fight. You're in this battle. And you've got this struggle, you've got that thing and you know it's a problem and you keep working hard and you keep stepping forward. God is so pleased as he sees you move forward towards him, keep in the fight and keep going as you pursue Jesus. As we do this, this is messy and complex. It's like these things are like forward and back, aren't they? As you go on that messy road forward, know that you are not alone. You are not alone. That firstly, God is with you. That's the most important thing. God is with you to heal you and to rebuild you and to rebuild your hope, rebuild your confidence in Jesus as you seek him. You know, like in this song that we sang earlier, like break change, breaks chains. This is what God does. He breaks chains with his strength and his power. He can come and work in your life. So call out to him. Trust him that he will just fill you with his spirit and he'll just transform you and change you and what you focus on. You're not alone. And you're not alone because there's people around here who love you. I also encourage you, if you're working through something, ask a Christian friend to support you, someone you can pray with and be accountable to, like just catching up with you. If someone comes to you like this, 
Just be really gracious. Someone comes with you with some sin. Just be gracious because we all need a rescuer, don't we? None of us are perfect. We all need help. We all need strength. We all need encouragement. So you be that support for that person. We're not alone. God is with us. And there's people around we can connect with. And as a church, we have a connection with Anglicare Counselling. Some of the things that I talked about before, they're heavy and they're complex. And maybe it's been with you for a long time. So it's good to go to someone who's skilled to support you and ask you like, what's behind these things. Just explore what's driving you there. And maybe if you've known this, you should be doing this in the past. I encourage you, like, yeah, seek, seek counselling. Seek that support. You know, I want to say, like, come and talk to myself or Paula, Peter Tasker, Linda, and we can link you up. Be able to counsel and walk with you. So on this journey as we cut off and live for Jesus, don't go alone. Go with God. Go with a Christian friend and seek, seek out the help you need. And God does change people. He does transform their lives. In verse 20, it talks about it. A group of people came, and in this way, the, Lord, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. The word of the Lord spread. You know, Acts 19. You know, philosophers in Athens became Christians. Like this week, there's exorcists became Christians. You know, like all different, the, recently, like jailers became All these different people transformed. Their lives turned around. You know, in this room, you know, there's builders and doctors, teachers, aides, and sparkies. There's university lecturers and there's stay-at-home mums, all different people trusting in this Jesus, transformed, changed, because, you know, God is at work and he's mighty to change and work in people's lives. Well, Jesus works through Paul. He boldly and persuasively proclaims Jesus. And under him, you know, people receive the Spirit. They encounter Jesus who reigns in the spiritual realm and and God moves people to leave behind their sorcery scroll, scrolls as they follow after Jesus. Now, I started off with the, the idea of you can see when people are serious. You can see whether they're all in or they're holding back. And Jesus looks at us as a church and as he looks at us as individuals. He can see if we're serious. Jesus can see our hearts. You know... And may he see us, empowered by him, being ruthless and cutting off sin as we follow after Jesus. You know, friends, may God give us strength to cut off what hinders and to pursue Jesus with everything we are. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you that he does come in, just turn people's life around. He delivers them out of their troubles. And God, we, we pray for people here today who you're, you're just stirring in their heart. We pray that you'll move your spirit and you'll strengthen them to make steps forward with you towards you today. Give them the strength and the courage this week to act on it and to seek help and support. And Lord, we pray for all of us. Lord, we all need your help. We pray that you'll fill us with your spirit to honour you and love you in our lives. And God, help us to believe that you're mighty 
that you are changing people and turning them around. We thank you, God, today for Troy. God, you turned his life around a year and a half ago, and we pray that his baptism this afternoon, you just strengthen him as he follows after Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.